As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views given on the following program are not necessarily the views of the station management or staff. Since individual situations can and will be different, please remember this when exercising any options presented by our guests. This is Care for My Wealth with Mike Pilch and Chris Klein of Capstone Wealth Management, your fee-only investment firm. Now, here's your Care for My Wealth guys, Chris Klein and Mike Pilch. All right, welcome in. I am Mike Pilch along with really the Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. It's Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management. Lot to get to today as uh, we go through the world of finance, what has happened in the markets, give the best advice there is for investors. Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management, a private fee only financial planning and investment management service. So if you need a financial plan, they're going to build it, then help you monitor and maintain it through smart investment management and get in contact with them via phone, 866 596 9886. That's 866-596-9886, or send them an email, info at careformywealth.com. That's info at careformywealth.com. Now time to bring in the Care For My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. Now, Chris, uh, there's also a way people can kind of uh, text you immediately and all that, too, or get information, right? There is, actually. Um, good morning, by the way. Yeah, uh, how you doing? Yeah, <laughs> doing well. So... If someone would like to get a very quick, mobile-friendly uh, perspective on what their risk situation looks like, they can simply text a, uh, uh, the number. Um, they can text the word STRESS to 608-620-1111, 608-620-1111. That text then is going to send you a link. That link then will provide you the opportunity to very quickly, very easily identify what kind of risk you, you, you need. It, it's going to help you identify how you're viewing risk, right? And, and certainly what we find right now, you know, as markets continue to, to stumble themselves forward and upward uh, against many people's expectations, um, is that risk is changing. 
And so as people continue to move forward in their financial lives, it's, uh, it's ever more important to recognize where that's at. That text actually comes directly through our systems. And if somebody actually wants a, a specific question answered, I'll get it and therefore will answer that question. Um, for non-clients, we typically have a 48-hour turnaround in either email, info at careformywealth.com, or in text format. Again, that number is 608-620-1111. And if you text the word stress to it, you'll automatically get a link to identify how you're viewing risk. It's a very quick, simple survey. It's mobile-friendly, um, very easy to deal with. But if you texted a question to that number, uh, you're going to get an answer. It's going to come directly to my desk. So um, feel free. You know, and sometimes those questions that come in make for great radio uh, yeah. topics. <laughs> We've done it before many times, no question about that. And it's yeah. interesting talking about how that works and, you know, see where you're you're at personally with all this information. I'm sure a lot of people kind of wonder how you guys figure all this stuff out on your own, too, a lot. Yeah, they do. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, people most of the time don't want to know all the engineering processing mm. <laughs> that goes into figuring out how the software works and how algorithm calculations work. They don't really need to know the exact example of what polymorphic algorithms mean, <laughs> you know, or single to noise ratios, things of that nature. What they do want to know is, do you have a system? Is it reasonably understandable? Does it produce information and results that are trackable and identifiable? And do you have a way to grade yourself? Mm -hmm. Those are typically the questions that we get. And those are great questions. And the answer to all those are, yeah, we have a very easy to understand system because it produces a consistent stream of, of data that helps us to identify where momentum and where strength is in the market. And then we just comparatively identify that to historical standards. Um, I think maybe one of the biggest differences that, that we um, go through comparative to maybe some other places is that we don't use a traditional backtesting arrangement. You know? In other words, and, and that may be a little bit hard for somebody to understand, but if you call up an average mutual fund they're gonna, and ask them, hey, uh, how did uh, $10,000 do in ABC fund, mm -hmm. right? What they'll do is they'll send you what's called a hypothetical. That hypothetical is going to give you an example of that fund uh, over whatever period of time, or it'll give you a, a subset of funds if you ask them, hey, if I gave you $10,000 over the past X years, what would it have done? Um, that's fine. The, the problem with backtesting is that it has something called hindsight bias, right? Sure. It knows the yeah. past. That's <laughs> the word backtesting. Right, exactly. Everybody uses a form of backtesting. You know, it's, it's not uncommon. Uh, strategies throughout all different forms of firms and hedge funds and, and you name it will use different degrees of, of backtesting to help identify whether or not the strategy that is being used is functional, right? The biggest difference is that the form of, of backtesting that we use is called a forward-walked, progressively tuned system. Here's the difference. The difference is you blindfold the computer, and I'm using that metaphorically, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm not dra draping a cloth over the computer. You're not? System, right? Really? Okay. <laughs> Imagine that. 
we're actually blindfolding the data from the computer programs systems so that it's forced to make a choice on a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month basis as to the best route based on momentum available at that time, right? So we look at a subset of, of ETFs, for example, that were in existence for, say, the past 10 years, uh, allow the computer to have the data, but then force the computer to choose based on all different sorts of, mm-hmm. of, of, tools, of tools that are in this, this piece. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the tools that we use in a minute because it's following something called temporal por- portfolio theory. Easy for me to say. Um, temporal just meaning time series, right? It, the temporal portfolio theory is just a time series momentum expansion to modern portfolio theory. And most people listening have probably heard of modern portfolio theory somewhere. If they're using a mutual fund or an advisor, they've all talked about it because it, in essence, is the foundation of diversification. Mm-hmm. It came into play back in like 1952. It's been around, obviously, a really long time, but it predated computers and electronic uh, information and the data that we have available to us today on a day-by-day market analysis structure was not available then. Mm. And so it was limited. Well, the temporal portfolio theory process expands on that. And what it does is it provides a measure of momentum, which is what made modern portfolio theory so limited in its time, and even today, to the basic buy-and-hold kind of diversification, which we all know worked terribly through the last major bear markets. So... What you have is when you have new tools, it generates new rules, right? <clears throat> so when you're looking at these kinds of processes on a forward walk progressively tuned system, what it says is that this system is going to understand how to make a switch into a stronger fund based on the data it had at that time. It didn't know the forward uh, look because it was blindfolded. And so, therefore, it creates a data stream and a strategy structure that is way different than just an average back-tested system. And we use this type of processing to build 401k monitoring programs for not only clients, but for uh, people who have not yet retired. Uh, We use it to generate strategies on identifying the best structure of funds to hold for retirement portfolios, for people who want lots of aggressiveness, whatever it might be. But it creates an environment where it just starts to, to minimize some of the noise that goes on in markets. And, and what's important about that, Mike, is that people sometimes forget that risk is not one-dimensional. It's not a one-dimensional problem that's cured by a single act of diversification. Mm-hmm. I'm going to own 60% stocks and 40% bonds or blah, 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 whatever it might be. One act of diversification does not create a, an optimal portfolio. Risk is a multidimensional problem, and diversification is just the start of identifying how to get over that multidimensional problem. So, yeah, step one is figuring out how do you view risk. Step two is looking at a strategy that matches you to that risk. And step three is just simply monitoring it on an ongoing day-by-day basis. And step four is implementing a strategy that keeps you away from a major bear market. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know there are lots of people right now who believe that it's right around the corner, right? 
we do not believe that a bear market is right around the corner. And there's a host of data that is available today that would show it is highly unlikely we're in the midst of a, a, a bear market to be soon or anything like that. Now, does that mean that we could get a pullback here pretty soon? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Not uncommon. But I absolutely believe that 12 months from now, this market's going to be quite a bit higher. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'll share with you one piece of data before we have to go to the, the break, um, because it's, it's relevant because of, of the Fed. The, the Fed has obviously been in lots of news stories lately. Um, it, all sorts of Fed governors have been talking up a storm uh, about possible rate cuts and the dovishness of the Fed and, and why they're that way and all that sort of stuff. And so it's, it's commanding a lot of information and a lot of time in, this, in the news stream right now. Um, and it should. They're going to meet on the 30th and 31st with a rate decision on the 31st. One of the pieces of data that has not been talked about is how the Fed's first rate cut has responded in terms of market action when the leading economic indicators are still positive. And that's a big, big, big difference comparative to what the Fed has done over the past two major bear markets. In both 2000 and 2008, the leading economic indicators had rolled over and gone negative by the time the Federal Reserve did their first rate cut before the recession hit, right? In those instances, the stock market completely tanked. The leading economic indicators were giving you all the information you needed to know to say, Something's not right in Kansas. Right, right. right. <clears throat> and this is going all the way back to 1971. So since 1971, when the Fed makes its first rate cut and the leading economic indicators are still positive, like they are today, stocks have risen 100% of the time on a three-month, six-month, nine-month, and 12-month basis. So I don't know about you, that, that's pretty good data. That's, that's a long enough data set to be able to come to some reasonable conclusions. It includes two massive bear markets that the Fed had to fight through. It's identified when the leading economic indicators have rolled over during those times, and it's identified it on the Fed's first rate cut. So historically speaking, if we can be in a situation where there's LEIs, the leading economic indicators are still positive, that Fed rate cut should not be feared. Hmm. Now, we'd be, talk, we'd be talking a completely different story if the, the LEIs were negative. We've touched on this a little bit in the past, but if LEIs were negative, more likely than not, most of our bear market triggers would be screaming, and they're not. It, in fact, it's just the opposite. We currently have what we would coin as a safe market for longer-term investors. Um, in fact, most of the algorithms that we're using right now are not weakening on a day-by-day basis in terms of, uh, in, in terms of a, a protective feature, but they've been strengthening. And, and again, that's not to suggest we can't get a bump. It doesn't mean that we can't go through a day or a week where markets just are, are not fun or uncomfortable or volatile. Not uncommon. It can happen, right? But we're of the opinion and we're of the situation right now that the risk of a massive rollover in this market is nothing like what it was back in 2000 or 2007 when the Fed first started to cut rates back at that time. Well, we know how sensitive people are to 2008 still, and you certainly caught my attention when you said, what is it, in a year or at the end of the year, you think this market's going to be a lot higher? This market's going to be breaking a lot of records if that's the case. 
Yeah, it can. I mean, it, it would it would not surprise me on the S and P five hundred to see it at thirty one twenty or higher. Oh my! You know? and, and yeah, I mean, you know, comparative to where markets are now, I mean, you know, you look at the the um, the S and P five hundred right now, and you know, we're sitting at about twenty nine ninety, twenty nine eighty five, somewhere in that nature uh, neighborhood. So, do I think that the market has enough strength in it to get there? I do. Uh, is it going to be a straight line? No, never is. <laughs> There'll be some moments that probably cause people some agita and wash them out. Um, you know, earnings are still positive, you know, and, and of course, earnings are without a doubt the, the, the mother's milk of stock price expansion. But, you know, for anyone who's been tracking what markets have done uh, as it relates to how this administration has been dealing with things, I mean, I hate to say it because I'm fairly apolitical when it comes to money, when it comes to investing. I really could care less who is or who isn't in place as long as I know what the data, the set of rules are that we're playing by. Now, I prefer certain types of policies over others. I prefer deregulation. I prefer lower taxation. I, I prefer lower interest rates. I mean, there's a whole host of things from a fiscal policy perspective and a monetary policy perspective that I prefer, but that doesn't mean markets are, are going to do great in one position or another. They've done great in both kinds of climates, mm-hmm. and they've done terrible in both kinds of climates. We just need to know the rules. So what we have right now is an environment where the Fed appears very willing to follow the 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 table pounding that seems to be going on from the Trump administration about cutting rates. And they seem very interested about continuing liquidity into the market. And the one thing we've always said markets have to have in terms of their ability to move substantially higher is liquidity. Well, I don't know, Mike, I think that we're sitting on the cusp potentially of, of central banks the world over providing whatever liquidity is necessary. And, and investors to this point have seemingly been interested enough to pile money into fixed income securities to provide those governments the, the money that's necessary to create the liquidity. Mm. Good grief. What was, what was it last week? We talked about 25% of the world's uh, government and sovereign debt offering negative yield. Yeah, that's extraordinary. It really is. All right. We got to take a break. We'll get more of this on the other side. Chris, you have some uh, 401k news too. We're going to get to later, right? I do. Okay. All right. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. He is the Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. I'm Mike Pilch. Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management, a private fee-only financial planning and investment management service. So if you need a financial plan, they're going to build it, then help you monitor and maintain it through smart investment management. 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. The phone number to get in touch with them or set up an email info at careformywealth.com. This is Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management. Now, two guys who care, Chris Klein and Mike Pilch. This is Care for My Wealth. With Capstone Wealth Management, I am Mike Pilch with the Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. And to get in contact with them, you can call them at 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. Or you can send them an email, info at careformywealth.com. That's info at careformywealth.com. 
Care for my wealth with Capstone Wealth Management, a private fee-only financial planning and investment management service. So if you need a financial plan, they're going to build it. Then help you monitor and maintain it through smart investment management. So what kind of tools go into the use of your your portfolio strategies, Chris? How do you do this? Hammers, nails. And yeah. No. Yeah. Sawzaws, <laughs> getting those in there a little bit. Yeah. Sawzaws. Yeah. Yeah. No, good question. So, I mean, the tools that we use are, are there's a lot of them, obviously. Um, and at the risk of boring anyone, which I never want to do on a radio program, I just want to kind of go through sort of a, a list of things that exist in the toolbox, so to speak, um, and, and how and why they get used, right? Most everything that we deal with is surrounding around some form of momentum, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, momentum is real. There's just no two ways about it. It it exists in all market data. Uh, The benefit today, of course, in terms of identifying how momentum works is that we have these computing systems that are able to identify it more quickly. You know, and and it's, it's valuable because there are so many people that are still steeped in the, the process of utilizing modern portfolio theory. And I'm not suggesting that modern portfolio theory is wrong. No, that's not it. What we do is expand on it. And, and what we believe we've been able to do is make it better because of the tools that are available today comparative to the tools that they had available to them back in 1952 when they created the thing, sure. right? Sure, and some of that stuff's been proven to no longer be as useful, certainly. Yeah, a lot of it has. Yeah, that's right. You know, and and so many people have, you know, the hey, don't put all your eggs into one basket thing. Are you familiar with Puddinhead Wilson, one of Mark Twain's? I know the name. <laughs> I don't know anything else about it though. So Puddinhead once said, "Behold, the fool saith, put not all thine eggs in one basket." Oh, okay. Kind of a matter of saying, "Hey, scatter your money and your attention." What really should be said is what the wise man says, put all your bags and eggs in one basket and watch that basket. Right, right, right. That's kind of how we're structuring things is that we're just paying super close attention to the one basket that has all the strength. And then when the strength shifts, you pick up a new basket as opposed to having a whole pile of baskets and one basket is as strong as another, and then another one gets a little bit stronger and then weaker and, you know, that whole kind of thing. So, so certainly we, we are revolving ourselves around a momentum process. Um, it, helps to, it helps to focus on the ability to minimize risk by staying away from certain kinds of things, right? Um, we want to stay away from, from certain types of investments that are just naturally super, super volatile, because it can mess up the strategy, it can mess up the processing. Now, what does that mean? Well, does that mean that we stay away from gold and silver and all that sort of stuff? doesn't mean we have to stay away from it. It just means that they have to be much more limited comparative to focusing on um, uh, you know, types of, of market capitalization things or, uh, or exchange-traded funds, for example, that focus on uh, a sector, right? Um, maybe it's biotech, maybe it's, it's, uh, maybe it's um, uh, home builders, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. What we're doing is we're adding filters to how modern portfolio theory created its diversification structure. And as opposed to building diversification through dilution, in other words, the put things everywhere in all sorts of baskets, 
and then let your attention be scattered as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's focusing more on saying, hey, look, we're going to diversify through elimination. Let's eliminate the stuff that has either noisy data because it's incredibly volatile, or let's eliminate the stuff that just is not producing momentum. It's just not doing anything in terms of net net growth. And so with computing systems today, of course, it's fairly easy to identify who the strongest horse in the race is. And if you can identify who the strongest horse in the race is, well, then it makes it a little bit easier to identify which fund might be the better one to be in. Mm-hmm. Fairly simplistic, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> And and yet at the same time, because it's a it's doing something that is a little bit different than traditional modern portfolio theory, the average person might look at it and go, "Ooh, that that that's uh, that's fringe," you know. But if you really dig into it and start to understand the processing that goes on behind it, it's just not that difficult, and it's just not that crazy. I mean. The first thing that had to be done is kind of prove that momentum exists. And proving that momentum exists in market data has long been a topic of academic research. I mean, it's been around forever. And some of the more important papers that, um, you know, that, uh, that have been written through the years, um, you know, for anybody, and we've got copies of all this stuff too, Mike. I mean, if anyone would really like to geek out on how this stuff works. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply you can shoot us an email or give us a call and I'm, I'm happy to give it. Hmm. But one of them that is really good is quantitative momentum. And it was by, written by a couple of guys, one Dr. Wesley Gray and Dr. Jack Vogel. And, uh, and, and so basically the processing behind that is quantifying momentum in markets. As you go through and you kind of study and research and read what modern portfolio theory has to say, which again is, creating this diversification through dilution type process, you're going to start to see a few terms that pop up. And one of them is this thing called the efficient market hypothesis, right? Um, And I don't know how to say this where it makes sense, but that hypothesis basically suggests there's no there there for momentum. Like that's not important. It's kind of what that says, right? That momentum in a market is not important at all. It's kind of what it's saying as you go through and kind of dig through this thing, right? Okay. So to know if this is true requires the ability to measure momentum's presence. And so while academic researchers have largely focused on testing the performance of outcomes of various trading strategies to identify the proof of momentum's existence, 
a more direct statistical measure of the character of, of that market data is a better place to start. And, and so what we're saying, and you know, anyone that has really researched momentum as a whole would say, is that, yes, momentum exists, and we can quantify it by the following. And you go through a subset of analytics that help you show that, okay, here the strength is clearly showing itself. Oh, and here the strength is changing. Oh, and here the strength is changing again. But to be able to do that, you've got to have computing systems that can scan the hundreds and hundreds of different exchange-traded funds or thousands upon thousands of mutual funds or whatever it might be. That's interesting That's because gonna... I know a lot of people that don't believe momentum exists in anything like in sports or anything else. So that's interesting. Yeah, well, and that's a good point because you're right. There are, are a lot of analytics that would suggest, you know, that, well, because you hear it all the time. Well, that team's gaining momentum now. Right. You know, they just had one thing happen. And, and well, you can feel it. Of... It's a different energy feel, I guess, is the way I would describe it. It's a different energy feel, and I don't know if it's fully quantifiable in the realm of sports. Yeah. Whereas in the world of investing, it's completely quantifiable. That's interesting. Right? And, and it's completely quantifiable simply by science and math, which I know bores most people to tears, which is why I'm not going to talk about science and math or give you, you know, calculus-type examples as to, uh, to why it works. But the bottom line is that momentum is real. It does exist. And it has been shown to be the pervasive component for creating and choosing excellent investment strategies. And anyone that wants to doubt that momentum is the key player and the key component into identifying how to invest, you're looking at the wrong data. You're looking at the wrong stuff. And, and I'm here to say that there are lots and lots and lots of people who, professionals, that whom I respect greatly and have had conversations with that do not believe that anything other than the old traditional modern portfolio theory of your standardized way of, of, of picking investments, it works. They're not overlaying onto the process strategies that help to minimize massive amounts of drawdown through major bear markets, which I mean, you have to have Mike in, in today's day and age, with how quickly markets can move to the downside in and through a bear market, like what we experienced in 2000 and 2008, you're crazy to not have a quantifiable strategy overlaid on your portfolio to help you to identify when it's time to leave the party. There's so many strategies you need to know when to leave the party now. I mean, there's just, there's so many things out there that you got to keep note of. I, it's so hard to cover all of them, I think. Well, for many it is, and it's easy for the average investor to get really confused. And and for us, and I think the very, average investor doesn't even know of some of these things they got to be aware of. Yeah, they don't know the questions to ask. That's true. To me, the biggest question to ask anyone if they're handling money is, do you have a bear market strategy? Number one. Number two. What is it? And number three. How has it worked in the past? If, if, if those three questions cannot be answered, do you have a bear market strategy? <laughs> Can you, does it work in the past? And, you know, is it, is it functional? Is it usable? Is it, it, can I understand it? I mean, if those questions can't be answered, then you have to question the, the, the safety component of that portfolio. 
you know, at the end of the day, there has to be a way in which to minimize downside risk through major bear markets. And when I say major bear markets, I mean those that can clip off 40% to 50% of the portfolio, which, you know, in a major recession that brings about a bear market is typically what you're going to get. So there has to be a way to quantify a bear market strategy, and it has to have an easy-to-implement process on a portfolio. And, Mike, I'm here to tell you the average investor today, the average person with a 401K, the average individual that Mm -hmm. is simply investing in a buy-and-hold passive kind of strategy, do not have bear market strategies overlaid on their portfolio because they don't know how to do it. It's, It's not because there are not things that can help. It's that they don't understand how to use it. The simplest one, and, and this one is so overly simple that it, you almost can't use it because it's ridiculously simple, but it works, although it creates a little bit of a late environment, later than the kind of analytical tools that we apply. But it's simply looking at various moving averages on a 50- and 200-day basis. It, it, for most people, if they find that that 50-day moving average crosses down below the 200 well, that's a warning signal. Like, mm-hmm. eh, something looks weak. In other words, the momentum appears to be heading on the downside. You know, And some of the kinds of bear market indicators that we utilize will certainly uh, uh, capture that type of momentum, but it's, it expands way, way, way beyond just that simplicity. Sure. But my point simply is this. Most people with a 401k don't want to pay somebody to overlay a, for, a, a bear market strategy on their account. And I think that's crazy. I mean, if you can stop your, your 401k from dropping 40 to 50% in a bear market, but it costs you a couple hundred bucks to do it, why wouldn't you do that? It, it, it makes no sense to me that someone would forego the downside protections over a few hundred bucks. But yet at the same time, 401k participants are not offered true bear market strategies by the 401k administrators. It's mm. just not what they're designed to do. And we're going to get not out. We're going to get more into 401k stuff a little bit later too. We are. I'm going to go through some strategies that we use and talk a little bit about monitoring systems and how they can get implemented very simply and very easily. But the 401k plans that are available today are are really quite good. I mean, you know, interestingly enough, and I'll talk a little bit more about this as as the show develops, but when you look at many 401ks today, the thing that is very easy to misunderstand or ignore is that the administrators of that plan are not designed to be advisors. Right. And therefore, are not giving advice, nor are they creating bear market strategies to overlay the portfolio to minimize downside risk. That's not what they do. You have to hire somebody to do that for you. Yep. And it does exist out there. You just have to have the right structure. It does. I know the stuff that we use works. We've seen it in a multitude of different major bear markets. It's triggered us when it's been time to get away. It's triggered us when risk in markets have escalated to the point where it appears something's not right. And so we've become very comfortable with watching the instrumentation and that when it triggers, we just don't ignore it. We just can't, can't afford to risk the, you know, ignoring that kind of All right, we'll get into more of that on the other side as this program moves forward. Also, Chris will give you that information on 401ks. He is the Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. I am Mike Pilch. 
Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management. It's a private fee-only financial planning and investment management service. So if you need a financial plan, they're going to build it, then help you monitor and maintain it through smart investment management. You can call them 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. Or send them an email, info at careformywealth.com. That's info at careformywealth.com. This is Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management. That it is. I am Mike Pilch, along with the Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. To get in contact with him, 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. You could also send him an email at info at careformywealth.com. That's info at careformywealth.com. All right, Mr. Care for My Wealth guy, what is this new 401k information we need to know? Because we've been touching on this a lot lately. Yeah, it's, so it's not necessarily um, information more than it is understanding strategy and, and helping people to figure out how to build a monitoring system uh, in a way that, that makes sense. Um, you know, one other thing I'll, I'll touch on real quick, only because I, I've had a few emails that have come in asking some questions about the current market and the risk of like a 10% sell-off, things of that nature. Um, what I can tell you is this. When you go back and do the market history, it, two 10% sell-offs in a single year are really, really rare. Yeah, right? I can believe that. Yeah. <clears throat> there have been 90 10% sell-offs all the way back since 1929. And wow. we can typically, yeah, this, I mean, it's, it's a lot, but that's a long data segment too. Um, we can see that it happens almost every other year at about like 63% of the years. There's only been six times since 1929 where there have been two plus 10% sell-offs in one year with last year being one of those occurrences, right? So I find it not probable. Of course, anything is possible, Mm -hmm. but I, but I don't find it probable that we see ourselves go through another 10% type of a sell-off. I mean, May was almost 8%, right? And so it doesn't obviously qualify as, as one of the 10% numbers. But nevertheless, uh, it just doesn't seem highly probable that that could happen. Um, typically speaking, when, you know, if you look at, we talked a little bit earlier about using price averages, the 200-day moving average and the 50-day moving average to help identify whether or not you might be uh, gearing up for a real bad type of a bear market kind of system. Um, only when the price of the U.S. index, and we'll use the S&P 500 as example, falls below the 200-day moving average, does the probability of a 10% sell-off increase meaningfully, like, like towards 50%, that it would ultimately turn into a 20% sell-off or a bear market. Right. Otherwise, the odds are like 3 to 1 if the market's trading above that 200-day moving average. So, Right now, the markets are clearly trading above the 200-day moving average. We're like 6% above it right now. <clears throat> um, clearly, the 200-day moving average is underneath the 50, as it should be, so it's showing the market clearly in a, in a decent uptrend. The probabilities are on the side of not having that kind of a sell-off, right? So it's just one extra piece of data to help people maybe understand the degree of potential risk that we're in. And by the um, way, when you talk about all these pieces of data that you throw at us, you can kind of 
keep updated with what you tell us, uh, Mr. Care for My Wealth Guy, with your newsletters and everything too, right? We can, yeah, and we try to. Um, so we'll send out newsletters on a kind of as-needed basis. You know, as we see, uh, as we see markets uh, influenced by various elements that the media may not be reporting on, mm-hmm. or maybe reporting on it in a way that's not um, fully understood, or in some cases not factual. Not even factual, <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, we'll try to tear it apart and and look under the hood in a way that helps people understand what's happening and why. And more likely than not, based on the occurrences of, of those data points, what to expect. And, and, and try to you know, either calm some of the fears or, or in some cases even minimize some euphoria. You know, that that happens too, where where sometimes people want to get too euphoric as markets are, are moving to the upside. So, you know, we kind of have to temper both levels of um, psychological extremes. <laughs> I can tell you right now there are more people nervous than there are people excited. And, sure. and that's, that's okay. You know, uh, Wall Street climbs a wall of worry, and, and if that continues to be true, Lord knows there's plenty of worry out there to, uh, <laughs> to deal with this sort of stuff. But at any rate, um, so we use a, we have a 401k monitoring system that uh, we have available. Um, any client of ours that we are currently doing financial planning, retirement planning, or money management for automatically gets this service as part of the relationship. And basically what it does is it allows me to build a strategy over the 401k choices that you have Mm -hmm. and then monitor that for you on an ongoing day-by-day basis and then alert you to when it's time to shift. Shift either funds because uh, momentum is shifting in those funds or because we have a bear market strategy overlaid on it, move to a bear market strategy in an attempt to protect a massive downside slide, right? The one thing that's nice, Mike, about 401ks is that, you know, through lots of fairly tough regulatory action that's taken place, it's actually helped make 401k strategy design easier because all the 401k custodians that are out there today are are offering excessively conservative offerings in their 401ks. they're not out there offering levered funds. They're not out there offering all sorts of sector funds, which I think is too bad because there's lots of lots of, uh, of opportunity in, in sectors. But nevertheless, they're not doing that. They're using fairly cookie cutter, extremely large, very you know milk toast, run of the mill household kind of names for funds in the 401k, and they, in most cases limit them to. Yeah, somewhere between you know ten and twenty-five is about the average that I find. Hmm. And so here's what we do: if 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 we're working for a client and they're still working, and that's the reason why we would do that is that if we have a client and we're helping them manage some of their retirement funds, but yet they're still working, so therefore that 401k can't move away from the current custodian until they separate from service or, or retire or, or something along those lines. We want to help provide them, as our client, a way to make sure that, that in many instances, some of the largest portions of their retirement assets are protected. Right. And that a watchful eye is on top of this thing day after day, week after week, month after month, without them having to think about it. And then when something needs to be changed, we send them an email, a text, or both to say, hey, 
this is the fund you should be in now. Mm-hmm. Super simple, right? It's uh, it's very handy, I can tell you that. Why is it some companies don't offer more availabilities in those 401ks? That is kind of frustrating. You know, that's a great question. It, you know, it really comes down to the risk that an administrator of a 401k plan takes on. Um, some of the Department of Labor rules that have been implemented over the years have put an awful lot of onus on the company owner, and therefore, in many cases, the plan administrator, because... In a lot of small to mid-sized companies, the plan administrator is often the, the employer. They'll handle a lot of that activity. Now, it's moving more and more and more towards uh, these groups hiring third-party administrators versus doing it themselves because they, well, they want to transfer the risk. And the third-party administrators are not investment managers. They're not advisors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, has, as is human nature, um, what often happens is because, you know, someone has a 401k, they've got a certain amount of money going into it on a monthly basis for deferrals. And of course they're in many instances getting the employer matches on top of that. Mm-hmm. The funds charge a fee obviously to have the money in it. Now mm-hmm. you don't know what that is until you do some research and look at the fund individually and see that, Oh, it's charging one and a half percent per year to have my money in that fund right. or whatever the number is. In many instances, 401k participants don't want to hire someone to actually calculate, manage, and maintain a strategy on top of the 401k. Now, I personally think that's a little short-sighted. I understand that it's an additional expense, but if the process alone of keeping you out of a major bear market provides the ability for that 401k to, to grow at a rate because it didn't get cut in half in a bear market, way beyond expectations, well, then that changes the context. The problem up to this point that I'm finding is that most people have never had that choice. Yeah, It's never been something that people could even consider because there's nowhere to go. They're all cookie cutter. You know, the, the, the fund groups that send a person in on a quarterly basis give a little bit of guidance of, okay, we'll shift over to this balance and that balance. But Come on, let's face it. When's the last time these people called to say, hey, um, you know what? It's November 1st and our algorithms are showing that it's that it's not safe. You should get out. Yeah, I would say virtually never. Right. That's the kind of service we want to help people with, especially those who are our clients. And so those who are already our clients, they automatically get this service as part of the relationship. And basically what we're doing is we're identifying through the use of the various forms of algorithms that we use, Mm -hmm. the processes of that temporal portfolio theory principles that I talked about earlier in the show, and we simply pick a subset of funds that we can create a strategy and then look backwards on it in that forwardly walked, progressively tuned system so that the system is making choices only on that next day's worth of data. And therefore, it gives me a great indication of what the future might hold because it did a great job of picking that path in the past as the path was unveiled. Mm. It's not a look at the past and say, hey, here's all the data, pick the best route. Well, that's easy, right? So what we do is we build a bear market strategy. That bear market strategy typically includes the cash fund or stable value fund and one or two bond funds that are boring and don't move a whole lot. Um, 
for the most part, will exclude any bond funds from the 401k strategy unless it's in the bear market side. We exclude target date funds and balanced funds. Target date funds and balanced funds include both stocks and bonds. And most of the time, those things function differently from one another. And most of the time, the only reason people would want to buy those is because they're steeped in modern portfolio theory and say, I need to diversify through dilution. Mm. Well, Jeez. we're creating diversification, diversification through elimination. Yeah. You want to be in the one fund instead of a whole bunch. All right. I'm going to have you wrap this up best you can on the other side. He is the Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. I am Mike Pilch. This is Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management. Welcome back in. I am Mike Pilch along with Chris Klein. This is Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management. A couple of minutes remaining of the program. Chris, your final thoughts for the week. So final thoughts for the week is that we currently do not see this market, even with the Fed uh, rate cut looming. We don't know what they're going to cut by. The market seems to expect a quarter. Wouldn't surprise me to see a half, honestly, as crazy as that might be. Hmm. <clears throat> Could we potentially get a buy the rumor, sell the news at the end of the month, meaning the market goes through a little bit of a sell-off? Yeah, it's possible. But that being said, currently, algorithms are pointing towards a fairly safe market environment, notwithstanding that we certainly could see a bit of a pullback or a sell-off, but not roll into a bear market, not at this point, right? Um, what I'd like to do is, is make one quick offer as it relates to this 401k monitoring system. If you currently are not a client of our firm and you would like to test drive how this system works, what we're willing to do is take the first 10 people who will either call or send us an email and we can help you get set up on this system and then we would monitor it for you over the next six months. And if you're happy with that, then we can talk about what kind of a cost structure goes into it at that point. We'd talk about it up front anyway. But nevertheless, you can call us at toll-free at 866-596-9886 or send us an email, info at careformywealth.com, and we'll show you how to get this monitoring system set up. First 10 people that call in, we'll go ahead and do that. Okay, how did they do that again? Give them the number. 866-596-9886 or an email, info at careformywealth.com. All right. He is the Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. Keep yourself uh, refreshed this weekend. Amen. You do the same. All right. Indeed. (laughs) I am Mike Pilch. He is the Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. This is Care for My Wealth with Capstone Wealth Management. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.